ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Livestock theft is a big problem and it requires clever new responses. Stock prices are rising and these sort of large-scale theft events appear to be happening with increasing frequency. There's retinal scanning of stock, but also muzzle scanning, which is the, the nose part of the, of the cows at the moment, which is scanned and it's like a fingerprint. Muzzle scanning, geolocating, animal tags, DNA testing, just some of the emerging crime-fighting tools that you'll hear about shortly. Damien Carrick with you. Welcome to The Law Report. One year on, unfortunately, the rural crime you're about to hear about is still unsolved. In February last year, I spoke with Victoria Police Leading Senior Constable Dan O'Bree, who was investigating the theft of hundreds of sheep from a farm at Logan in central Victoria. The farmer has lost just under 700 sheep. He had the sheep in October to drench where he he, uh, counted 1,800, uh, he's got them back into shear It's the end of January and he's uh, 700 out of that mob are missing. So he only noticed in January when he pulled them all together to shear them? Yeah, he would have tended to his sheep in that time but um, hasn't had a, you know, a, a proper count. Maybe didn't have them all in at once or something like that so it's hard to get a, a proper count and that's, that's not an unusual practice for, for farmers. How valuable is this stock? And is, is the value in just in the animals or is it also in that, you know, they're about to be shorn, so presumably there's a lot of valuable merino wool on these animals? Yeah, look, the value's been put down at around $140,000. What sorts of skills, resources and equipment would you need to commit this sort of crime and how would you go about doing it? Yeah, look, it had to have been very well planned, whether the sheep may have been walked off the property and then uh, onto another property or into some bush or something like that where there's time to um, to load them and sort them, whether there's been some portable yards set up in the bush, which would be a big operation. Uh, if they were all taken in one lot, you'd need a couple of smaller trucks or one B-double. Yeah, so it's been well planned. And how many people would have to be involved in this kind of operation? Yeah, you'd need three or four blokes at least. And you have to know what you're doing. So you have to be, you know, you have to be really kind of savvy and skilled in terms of managing livestock. It's got to be someone that knows how to handle sheep, yeah, and they have to have good dogs and good yards and good equipment. And are these sheep tagged? Could they be tracked down? They have tags in them, uh, little ear tags, electronic ear tags in them. They go through scanners at the yards and farmers have scanners and that sort of stuff, but they can be can be easily removed and replaced. And, and these tags are only to identify them when the animal is immediately in front of you. They, they can't be used to kind of locate them. Uh, no, there's no tracking, no tracking or GPS or anything like that. It's something hopefully down the track we can work on, but no, these are just, just tags that are in the sheep. Uh, go off when they go through a scanner. 
And it's difficult, isn't it? Because um, the farmer doesn't know exactly when the crime took place. And it's very difficult for police to investigate something when there's, what, a potential window of three months here where where the offence might have taken place. That's very hard to investigate. The sheep are probably on the other side of the country right now. Yeah, that's the hardest stuff. The thing with um, farm crime is is the uh, time frame between when they've last seen the, the sheep or the, the pump on the dam or whatever uh, until they realise that it's missing is sometimes a few months and it's hard to try and uh, work out or find any evidence to uh, give us a start. And when it comes to, to rural crime or farm crime, we're talking about livestock, sheep, cattle, but we're also talking about farm equipment. You just mentioned the dam pump. I'm wondering all sorts of machinery presumably can be stolen. Absolutely, I guess, um, you know, farms are big areas. Farmers can't have their eyes over the whole place all the time. Neighbours can't. Yeah, some thieves are very opportunistic and uh, in and out and gone before you know, and that's it. And then the farmer, you know, he might go to look for his for his pump that's on the dam. It's been sitting there all winter and he wants to water something in summer and it's gone. Well, these thieves are in, got it and gone, no trace. Do you find that farmers always report this kind of theft? Why? Why? No, it's, well, and just the the time frame between seeing and finding that their property's missing. Uh, You know, with stock, a lot of times it's, well, I'll check with my neighbours and maybe they're in with another mob. Have have they died? You know, so farmers will will, uh, a lot of times look at those other things and by the time they realise it, no, hang on, my sheep have been stolen. They're not with the neighbours, not another mob and they're not dead. And they probably think there's nothing can be done anyway and don't worry about it. So they shrug their shoulders and say this is just part of farming life and they don't have any confidence that, that, that anything can be done, so they don't bother reporting it. No. Well, yeah, and it is very hard for to solve farm crime and, and um, we understand that, but the more info we can get off the farmers, the more chance we are of catching these thieves. And it's not just, you know, it's not just the stock theft, it's you know, stealing stuff out of their machinery sheds and the more info we can get, the better chance we are of catching someone. You can't ask enough for the farmers to just report, report, report. Leading Senior Constable Dan O'Bree from the Proactive Policing Unit in Bendigo in regional Victoria. Look, thank you very much for speaking to the Law Report. Pleasure. Thanks, Damien. For 20 years, the Centre for Rural Criminology at the University of New England has conducted detailed research on crimes targeting rural properties. About 80% of farmers surveyed in the latest study say they have been victims of farm-related crime. 40% reported that they had had livestock stolen from their property. The centre's co-director is Dr Kyle Mulrooney. He says another recurring finding is that farmers often don't report their losses to police. So that's one of the major issues that 20 years of farm crime research in Australia shows us is a significant amount of underreporting. There are a variety of reasons for that. Uh, one is that farmers are well aware of the environment in which they're operating. They understand the limitations on police. That is, they might not check on their stock very often, for instance. So they have to give the police quite a wide window of when this theft event occurred. They realize the police, from an investigatory perspective, are starting off on the back foot right from the get-go. On top of that, too, there's also been some a lack of confidence developing over time. And that is where farmers have reported crime, they indicate that the response was lacking, not only in the sense of the capacity of the police to respond, but also in the knowledge 
So for instance, one of my colleagues always brings up an anecdote, you know, where a farmer reported some ram stolen and the police thought it was an American pickup truck. And so that's quite a sensational example. But the point being there is right off the bat, you have a cultural divide between the farmer and the police. And the farmer is, has very low expectations of sort of any result coming uh, to. And with the Bush Telegraph, word of mouth, these types of things, you know, word gets around quickly that it's a bit of a waste of time to sort of call the police and report these these issues. We do see that changing with governments, particularly in New South Wales, but elsewhere, and police agencies really investing in the prevention of rural crime. So the New South Wales police have the Rural Crime Prevention Team. This is a group of police that are detectives and experts trained in industry, as well as the practical and cultural issues surrounding farm crime. And so are able to attend this, not only with much more expertise and skill in terms of clearing the problem, but also with that cultural knowledge that farmers expect. You know, they they can talk the talk and walk the walk, so to speak. And that goes a long way in farmers wanting to report. Mm. What do we know about offenders? The people who stole the 700 sheep in Victoria, they have to have been very well resourced, very highly knowledgeable. You describe them as cultural insiders. What do you mean? The same way we just talked about the police, right? Like to police these crimes, you have to understand industry. You have to understand how these things operate in order to do a good job, not only just how to talk to farmers, but understand the intricacies of how to handle cattle, theft. It's the same way for offenders. But generally, it does require a certain level of cultural knowledge and skill. That is, you have to know how to operate heavy machinery. You have to know how to muster cattle, handle cattle. You have to know where to offload stock, you know, where you're going to sell. In this case, perhaps we understand that these sheep were stolen full wool, so where to shear them and how to offload that for monetary gain. And so it requires a level of knowledge and awareness of industry that not all offenders would have. And I'm imagining for for the farming community, it must be quite disturbing to know it's somebody within the tent, somebody who you're probably dealing with on an everyday basis. Yeah, at this scale, it's obviously more organised. You know, this would have taken several large trucks, some fencing, uh, high levels of of organisation to to move these cattle and awareness. But even when you move it down to, you know, a couple cattle and things like that, you tend to be looking at inside jobs, as it were, neighbours, you know, different people in the community that are known for these types of thefts events. That also comes back into the issue of reporting. And that is these people know each other, sometimes for generations, their families know each other, there could be past conflict, there could be good relationships. And so the actual act of reporting a crime comes with a lot more of a social burden than it does for, you know, if you got your sunglasses nicked out of your car or something like that. You know, you may well know the offender. You very well might want the crime cleared and your stock back, but there's some social implications that can come with that. And oftentimes we hear from farmers anecdotally that they will deal with it on their own and they'll deal with it. And that doesn't necessarily mean vengefulness and it can and a lot of farmers express they're worried about revenge if they do report the crime but it can be you know social dynamics like exclusion if someone is known for these types of behaviors that sort of communal shaming and exclusion can be quite powerful and and oftentimes they'll sort of deal with these issues informally and chalk up the losses as sort of the cost of doing business so so these 700 sheep they they had electronic ear tags but i'm told that they 
most probably could have been detagged and retagged. I understand that there are other emerging technologies which might work to prevent or solve this kind of crime. One one form uh, tags with GPS in them. Uh, first of all, tell me how prevalent are these around the world now and, and in Australia? And can you tell me also briefly about some experiments that you've been conducting at, at the university? Sure, yeah. So the um, Centre for Rural Criminology here at the University of New England explored a series tag. And this is a smart animal ear tag. We ran a mock theft of sheep that were tagged with series tag with an actual live police intervention. And we wanted to see if the information that this tag could provide us with would promote and prevent the theft of stock. So the tag does two key things. One is accelerometer data. And what that is in short is it can tell us about the movement of the animal. The other thing it does is it provides us with location data. So using low orbit satellites. So we apply so that to you're getting the, a GPS um, read on them. Getting a GPS read on them, yeah. So if you apply that to crime prevention, what that is is, for example, if an offender was mustering the cattle, you'll get a notification of high movement. That should encourage the farmer to act, to call the police. The other is you can set up boundaries in your paddock. And so if the cattle breaches that boundary, whether it strays or is it in fact stolen, you'll get an alert uh, telling you that uh, the cattle has uh, breached the boundary, in which case uh, you, of course, can call the police. The other aspect of this is that it requires no hardware or software other than the tag. So the farmer can actually share this link with the police. The police can open it on their phones, on their computers, and they can see the data from the tag in real time. So you report, as we did in the stock theft, uh, the mock theft, the cattle being stolen, and the police can actually use that location data, use that GPS data to track it. So in our case, they were able to intervene in the theft on three separate occasions. They, of course, were also able to recover the cattle within 20 minutes of its arrival at its final destination. So you've been conducting some kind of mock thefts or, or, or experiments, and they've proved to be very successful. Is this technology, has it been rolled out in the real world? Yes, it has. Yeah. So I understand the company is, is global. It's being used on farms in Canada, in the United States, uh, as well as, of course, across Australia. It's an Australian company, um, but global application. Is this something which is um, financially feasible for you know all farmers who run cattle or sheep? Yeah, I mean, there are varying aspects to that. It's it's expensive, relatively, because it's expensive to produce. It's utilized for a variety of reasons in addition to theft. But it really comes down to sort of dollars and cents. If you look at the cost of stock, if you look at stock, I remember reading a couple of months ago of a, it ended up just being a, a bull who strayed, but the bull alone was worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And so to protect those kind of investments and assets um, is increasingly important to farmers. The other thing is you don't need to tag every single animal. And so, for instance, in this mob of 700, if you had set 10 tags, even if you had one tag, you would be getting that information. You'd be able to see that that particular animal or those 10 animals were being agitated. With the GPS data, in a mob of 700, the likelihood that the crooks would see a couple of tags that look different, you know, maybe unlikely. And you'd be tracing that with GPS right now. You know, we'd know where it is if they weren't caught off. If they were caught off, the crooks would have expended greater effort to do so, taken more time. But we also would have been able to be alerted to that right away. You know, and and for instance, in this case, you think about these big trucks it takes 
it's not a very quick thing to load 700 a sheet. You can do it fast if you have some skill, but it's going to take some time. So if you're getting a high activity alert from these smart ear tags telling you, listen, something's going on with 10-year sheet because they're moving really fast and they're moving very different from their baseline. That is, they're moving very differently than they normally would. You should go check or you probably would go check or you call the police and you have a great opportunity to actually catch, especially these large-scale theft events in the act. And, and assuming, and I presume that uh, you know all tags can be removed, but if a tag is removed, it just becomes stationary. So you also know something's wrong, and that, so that in itself is is important. Just checking, I mean, the university doesn't have any commercial relationship with this company, does it? Not formally. They funded the research in part in relationship with the police. Now, another emerging technology which which is fascinating is facial recognition for for cows. I mean, I think it's sometimes known as uh, Facebook for cows. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so that um, comes out of actually some PhD research done here at UNE, and now it's with the company called Zware. And the the actual product is called Stock Take, and you're you're absolutely right. It's a a version of Facebook for cattle. And what that is, is that it uses um, AI technology to identify muzzles in particular. So it'll look for small variations in cow muzzles, and it can identify What's the a cow muzzle? based on that. A nose, a cow's nose. Right. Yeah, so what it'll do is a cow's nose is, is, is as distinct as a human fingerprint. And so these cameras can pick up on that distinctiveness and differentiate a cow from another cow. And so if you take a few photos of the cow, you will build up a database with its unique identifiers. Yep. So this technology is being applied with an app, which should roll out. It's in um, pilot phase right now with farmers using it and growing that database. And so what you would do in practice as a farmer would have this app. They would take pictures of a particular cow on their phone, uh, identify that particular cow with a number or however they would, and that would forever be in there with the capacity for uh, facial recognition. And what would be the practical application of this technology in terms of either preventing or solving theft? In this case, it allows for recognition. So when these 700 sheep turn up on the other side of Australia, we would, if you were to apply this technology, you'd be able to recognize that, hey, that particular you doesn't belong here. It's in fact from Victoria. And we know exactly where it is. One of the problems police run into actually is recovering stolen stock and not knowing where it belongs. Where does it go? They could have been tagged inappropriately, their tags removed. There's a variety of variables there. So also just having that capacity to be able to trace back to farm and reunite the farmer with their stolen cattle is another benefit. Fascinating. So, so is it fair to say that we're using AI to prevent or solve this kind of crime? Yeah, in this case, it's um, yet yeah, the utilization of AI technology through imagery. You know, the same kind of facial recognition that you'd run through at the airport is being applied to cows and crime prevention. Carl Moroni, thank you. Thank you very much for speaking to The Law Report. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Dr. Kyle Mulroney, co-director of the Centre for Rural Criminology at the University of New England. He's also president of the International Society for the Study of Rural Crime.
Emerging technology looks promising, but what tools are being used right now to solve livestock theft, like the 700 sheep that have gone missing in Victoria? Detective Chief Inspector Cameron Whiteside is from the Rural Crime Prevention Team with New South Wales Police. There's obligations on farmers and carriers and the transporters to, to have certain documentation um, with them in terms of the transportation of their stock. Um, and also that, that then feeds into to sale yards and also into abattoirs in terms of that documentation. Whilst we're not blessed with the, um, the forensic evidence and the technology of the urban areas, it comes back to good old-fashioned police work with canvassing of neighbours. But uh, we have also in recent times had the benefit of um, CCTV and videos on farms, but also you know, those, uh, those people who steal these stock um, have to travel to other locations. So we make inquiries along the way as to you know who saw what, when it, when it occurred, and what's even recorded, whether it be service stations. A lot of farmers these days have their own cameras outside their, their gates, so we, we review all those. But then it also comes down to you know the, the markings and the tagging on, of, of the sheep, which you know we keep in our through the media, through our Facebook page, and other media inquiries, um, and agents just to see if they see these stock. I understand though that it's fairly easy to detag that these sheep and retag them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure they are, but there are there are other avenues. You know, there's certain stock that have grown up or you know raised um, in one location, then then appear in another one, like in a red dirt location that aren't they're not covered in red dirt or vice versa. That's a bit of a trigger for, for some too. But there's um again, it's you can alter tags and, and earmarks, but if you alter them, it's quite clearly that they've been altered. But yeah, the removal of tags is an issue, and it's something we battle with all the time. So there's a lot of data crunching as well. You know, what sheep have been transported where, what sheep have got arrived at an abattoir. That sort of data is helpful and sometimes, what, crucial in achieving a successful investigation and prosecution? For sure, but it's only as helpful as the end user or the person that uses it at the beginning of the, of the cycle and that they use the system effectively. Unfortunately, we find there's some occasions when the system is not used to its um, full potential um, and the lack of um, understanding of the NLS systems and the movement of stock um, between property to property. So that does can hurt us, but we encourage, um, you know, through our external agencies and meeting with our farmers um, quite regularly. What we do is we really encourage, um, you know, farmers to do a pick reconciliation. It's more or less like a stock stake that you do in a business in an urban setting. Just know what you've got on your property, where the tags are, and this is especially important in respect to sheep. And can you tell me about any investigations and prosecutions that that your unit has been involved with and, and what evidence was crucial in achieving that outcome? It, it does come back to initially, like any crime, is is the ability of the farmer or the victim to tell you what happened, when it happened, where it happened, and how it happened. Like you know, whether it be disturbed on the scene. Like people to say because it's in a rural setting, you haven't got that forensic evidence or you haven't got that technology. But the reality is, you do, and it's quite farmers are quite quite quick to to identify where there's something different, whether it's something just a drum being moved or a kind of fence being cut or, or tyre track. So it all starts from the management of that scene and, and establishing what has happened. But it's got to be timely, obviously. We've had significant um, success with results with DNA and fingerprints. And, and in terms of DNA, it's um, not only DNA from humans, you know, um, that have left um, on uh, items at a scene, like, for instance, in the northern 
New South Wales, um, New England area, we had an incident where um, the stock was butchered um, there and then, and we've uh, ultimately matched uh, through through DNA. And I won't go into the, the whole details of it. Through DNA, the offenders being there, being a bit lazy in what they do, but also we've had you know incidents where you know trucks are driven away with um, paint scrapings, uh, you know, on trees or fence posts, and matched them to to, to uh, back to the vehicle. And we've also had um, matters where stock have been butchered um, by illegal hunters for to feed for their dogs. So where there's a quite interesting one in the Hunter Valley um, last year, where the stock was stolen and um, were butchered. Sorry, at the scene, and um, the meat was taken. And um, the police, through their inquiries and canvas on the scene, identified the suspects. We rolled in a search warrant. Meat was recovered from a freezer. And the DNA that we, we took from the dead beast at the time um, was matched to the meat in the freezer and also in the backyard that's been fed to the dog. So I imagine a big emphasis is, you know, it's, it's on this investigation and prosecution, but um, what about prevention? I mean, are you also working with communities around strategies to help uh, prevent or deter the crime? And, and what are those strategies? And let's face it, you can't make a rural setting 100% crime-free, but what you can do is you can make it harder for the offender to commit those crimes. And, and um, we've, we've travelled the state conducting workshops, just giving tips and tricks about, you know, the crime scene management of a scene, um, how to secure a scene, because vast distances have to be travelled for police to get to some of these locations. So if there's even certain things that need to be secure, we, te- we educate the farmers how to do that. Like what? Um, well, for instance, we had a we had a workshop in um, in Trangy in, in central New South Wales where um, we spoke to um, uh, farmers there on our, a workshop, which we covered everything from you know uh, how to report a crime, but also how to secure the crime scene. So what happened is, unfortunately, whilst we were at that um, uh, that meeting, the, the next few days, one of those farmers did become a victim of a crime where um, someone went onto heavy machinery, cut fences, legal hunting, and stole diesel from from the machinery. So what they did is they covered the, the, the machinery up as, as requested and then we ended up lifting um, forensic evidence from the machine which tracked the offender down. So that's an example of what we do and we just teach those things. Is if you picture, you know, you've got a, a urban street and you've got the first house that's locked up like Fort Knox and each step you go along the street, there's going to be less and less security. It's not rocket science that the offender is going to go to the path of least resistance and steal from the one where they can get in. Mm. So. The emphasis is on the farmer to do the same thing. And so what you do there is you, we encourage our farmers to step outside their farm, think through the eyes of an offender, and say, so what would you steal? When would you do it? How would you enter the property? And that's the first point of call, how to target hard in your property. So prevention is much better than cure. So livestock is the big one, but presumably farm equipment and fuel are also big issues as well. So it can be um, anything from, you know, quad bikes to motorbikes right through to, to tractors that, that are stolen. But, you know, whilst it's, there's stock theft um, and there's a machinery theft and fuel theft, there are, you know, illegal hunting and trespassing is one of our biggest uh, issues because it leads to opportunist crimes in those other fields also because people come onto the property, see something they want more than the farmer, and then they take it. So and a lot of people forget, and especially people in urban settings that, you know, might, you know, just roll their eyes that, you know, there's an illegal hunters. But what happens is these farms are people's homes. So the level of mental health issues and anxiety with the, with the families and young children and all they can see on their property over the middle of the night is a glow of a, of a spotlight. And often with fire, firearms, knives, pig dogs, etc. So there's a level of a, of a heightened in terms of the impact of that crime. So, but we, but other crimes that we also investigate is you know, firearms theft and firearms related matters. 
um, you know, oyster theft, um, beehive theft, uh, anything to do that impacts upon the function of farm. And one final question, and probably not across the detail, but do people go to jail for substantial periods of time when they're found guilty of these offences? Yeah, when you say substantial, that's a, it's probably very very political in terms of that, but they do do, there are custodial sentences for, for stock theft. Stock theft holds a, a maximum of 14 years uh, imprisonment, so it is quite significant. But again, it's uh, you know we just want to put more people before the court for those matters, that, crimes that are committed, but we'd much rather prevent them in the first place. Look, uh, very interesting conversation. Uh, Detective Chief Inspector Cameron Whiteside from the New South Wales Police Rural Crime Prevention Team, thank you for speaking to The Law Report. Thank you, Damien. Any time. That's it for The Law Report. And on whatever podcast platform you found us, please do leave us a review. It helps others find the show. A big thank you to producer Christina Kukolia and also to technical producer Elise Simons. I'm Damien Carrick. Talk to you next time with more law. listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.